Good morning, church. Everybody doing all right? Good deal. Good deal. Glad you guys are here. This week, uh, we've mentioned it before, mentioned last week. I want to talk a little bit about it this morning. We're going to be spending a week across the state, all of our campuses. We're going to be spending a week just praying and dedicating the school year, the new year of this season, the school year, to the Lord and asking him to help us. So we're going to be meeting here in the morning really early, like I think before Jesus would even get up. I'm not sure, but we're going to be here at 6 in the morning. And then we're also going to have a night of prayer and worship on Wednesday night. And I would encourage you guys, if you haven't been to one of our, our nights of prayer and worship, to come to that. But this, every, every morning this week, Monday through Friday, I should say, we're going to be gathering and just asking the Lord. Now, I know we're a couple weeks into school, but I kind of like this because at this point, like, we really know some stuff to pray about, right? Like, <laughs> we've realized, like, uh, we need to pray for this particular kid that's given our kid a hard time. Or you teachers in the room, you're like, I know the kid that I need to be praying for. And, or we've got a teacher we know we need to be praying for, whatever it might be. Uh, and so I want to encourage you guys to come out for that. But with that, I also was just thinking, you know what, I think... We have people come from a lot of different backgrounds that have a lot of different contexts of what prayer means. And, and I think that some of the reason why maybe some of you have never come and been a part of some of our corporate prayers because of your context of prayer and what that looked like. And maybe you just had like a weird experience, a bad experience around a prayer meeting. And, and I get that because that can happen sometimes. But I also realize that some of us honestly just don't know how to pray. I think that in a lot of cases, we've probably overcomplicated prayer, way overcomplicated, way hyper-spiritualized it, because really all prayer is is just conversation between you and God. But I know for a lot of us, like because of church, because of different things we've seen and heard, it's like, no, when you pray, you got to use certain words in a certain way, in a certain order, with a certain tone. And I'm pretty sure like I'm supposed to change my voice inflection because I saw a guy on Christian TV do it that way one time. So I, and, and we just way, way overcomplicate it when really it's just, you know, just in fact, every time I pray, including when I pray around you guys, I try just to talk to God. Just to be real, just be authentic, just be sincere. But I know that some of us, it's like, okay, but, but, but how? Like, what do, I, what do I do? And so I want to talk about how to pray this morning. One of the things I've noticed is that as things change, typically the way that things change is old things have to go away, right? I notice that a lot around technology. Man, technology is one of the fastest growing and progressive things around us, right? It's like as soon as you think that you've got the, the newest trend, there's, a, there's something else that's coming out. How many of y'all remember when flat screen TVs first came out and they were like $10,000, right? They, I mean, it was like we were, we were spending what we'd spend on a car to get a flat screen TV. And now you can get like a 64-inch TV for like 400 bucks. Some of you are like, where'd you get that deal? I've, I've seen that before, Okay. But because, because it's always going, but that means in order for the new to come out that the old kind of dies. I mean, there's plenty of examples of this. Like how many of you, when's the last time that you actually went and developed and printed out pictures? When's the last time that happened? Like it's probably been a while, right? Because why? We have them all on our phone. In fact, what we have to do now, we have to take pictures of pictures so they can be on our phone, Right? In fact, I had to do that yesterday. Yesterday, Cody and I celebrated 17 years of marriage. Give her a hand. Come on. 
She, she deserves a lot of credit there. Yeah, it's getting pretty serious, getting pretty serious. But, but I, wanted, I wanted to have a picture. I wanted to post a picture of our wedding day. But we didn't have, we didn't have digital pictures back then. And so, like, we printed out pictures. So I was like, I want to have a picture. So I found one. But here's the problem. How many of y'all remember, like, when we were developing film and printing pictures, like, we thought it was, like, a good idea to have, like, a little bit of a glossy finish on those pictures. Right? Oh, that's, that's the fancy pictures, the ones that have a little bit of a glossy, little glossy finish. But the problem is, when you go to take a picture of a picture that has a glossy finish, it's like, you, can't, you have to, like, do a headstand to get the right angle so there's not the glare from my forehead isn't coming off the picture when I take the picture. So I finally got the right angle. I'm like, okay, that doesn't look too much like I'm taking a picture of a picture because we don't do that anymore. The old dies so the new can happen. How many times have you been in a car recently and seen somebody with a CD player? Like it don't happen anymore. Like you get in one of those cars like, oh, this must be one of them antique cars now. <laughs> the CD player. How many of y'all remember cassettes? We need to bring some mixtapes back. Come on. How many of y'all miss some mixtapes up in the house, right? Like, we need some mixtapes. Like, I'm going to totally just bring it all back around. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to start putting cassette tape, deck players in, in cars again so we can bring out some of those mixtapes. Because y'all know some of y'all got like a closet with a box full of cassettes. Your boyfriend's mixtapes that he gave you, you know. I, baby, I really can't say it in my own words, but this mixtape will explain to you my love for you, you know. Y'all laughing because you know it's true. You got that in your car right now. Because the new kills the old. But with prayer, nothing new could ever replace prayer. It is and will always be relevant. It will and will always be necessary. It's the new and the old. It will always be. You could write this down. Nothing can kill faith in prayer except no prayer and no faith. Nothing can kill our faith that prayer works except when we stop praying and having faith. And so I think it's important because I think that there are people here right now that you have stopped praying and some of you, you've stopped praying just because of life. And some of you have stopped praying because of a lack of faith. What I love is that the word of God is full of people and examples of supernatural miracles happening. And it happened to ordinary people. Like it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or incredibly good looking or average looking. God is no respecter of persons that he would give a miracle to one person or another. But there is a common theme among every person that received a miracle or something supernatural throughout the word of God. Faith. And they asked for it. They wanted it. They were desperate for it. And I think that there's some people this morning, God wants to stir back in you a faith to believe and an urgency to ask again. So let's go to this story. If you have your Bibles, Bible apps, we'll have it on the screen as well. In Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35, I think this story 
is a great story that demonstrates how to pray, how to ask God for things. In verse 35, it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what? This is so important. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also Praise God. I think it's important to note that Jesus doesn't do miracles for a show. This is not like Vegas. He, he always does miracles for specific reasons. It's to demonstrate love, power, compassion. It's also to fulfill prophecy, but it's also to teach us spiritual truths. And I think there's a lot of spiritual truths in this. A little context. The road to Jericho History would show that there was a tree, a balsam tree, that people that would study medical practices of that time believed that they could create the right combination of a salve made from this tree that it could actually heal blindness. And so there were a bunch of blind people just littering the side of this road, just willing, wanting to be a guinea pig, that maybe this salve would work on them. History also shows that in most cases, it actually would burn their eyes and make it even worse. And this blind man was probably one of those people just so desperate to be able to see again, just waiting, hoping that they would figure out the right combination so that maybe they could put this solve in his eyes and heal him, that he could see again. And he's been there, he's been there every day, and everyone knows who he is because his name is Bartimaeus. The name is actually in the word, blind Bartimaeus. That was his name, Blind Bartimaeus. So everyone knew who Bart was. Hey, Bart, how you doing? Ah, still blind. Just hanging out, just hoping, hoping something changes. Tried any salve lately? Yeah, birds. Not helping. And he's just in that place. But one day, Jesus is coming by in a crowd. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 people are with Jesus. Imagine how loud 10,000 people. I mean, imagine the noise. And, and, it, and everyone's trying to get Jesus' attention. Everyone is wanting Jesus to do something for them. And, and just the, the, the conversations that we're having about it and the, the story, like, well, I saw what he did the other day. And man, we were at a party and water and wine and all this stuff. And so the amount, the amount of noise. But Bartimaeus was so desperate that he could be heard over all of that. Like, Jesus, he's been there, he's stuck there. And he's like, man, this guy's coming by and this guy can do miracles. I've heard about him. I can't let this pass by. I have to get his attention, whatever it takes. One of the things you have to understand about prayer is you must pray with urgency. 
You have to pray with urgency. I think a lot of times, you know, we just kind of throw up a prayer from time to time. But I think that God measures prayer. Meaning this, I think he's looking for the all of your heart type of prayer. Like how desperate are you? For whatever reason, God likes to see a fire in our gut when it comes to talking to him. And this man, he cries out, have mercy on me. Jesus clearly is listening to the tone of our prayers as much as he's listening to the words of our prayers. In fact, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the words that we don't see this. I think sometimes the most powerful prayer we can ever pray is just simply, please help. And it just be from the heart of who we are. Just honest and sincere and authentic and real. It's like, God, please help me. And maybe that's all you've got. But he is looking for a heart that's urgent for him. Some of us, I've noticed we only pray when we're desperate. Like when things get really bad, that's when we pray. And that's really the only time we pray. Like if you're ever at a friend's house or at somebody's house and you go to use the restroom. And then you go to flush the toilet. And the water rises. I promise you then you're going to start praying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, God, help. Oh, God, please, please, not this, not this, anything but this. Oh, God, Jesus, Lord of the harvest, please help. And you would do anything to fix that problem. And if you can't fix it, you know you're going to walk out of the bathroom and be like, hey, somebody went in there. Y'all need somebody. What, me? Ah, I just saw it. I just saw it when I went in there. Or if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see those pretty lights behind you in your rearview mirror. How many of y'all know you're going to start praying at that point? Oh God, please, not today. You're either praying or you're cursing. Either way, you need Jesus. Either way, you need him to move in your life because you're in a desperate situation. But I find this, that if you pray and it's just words, Jesus actually called that vain repetition. Well, you're just saying words, but you don't really believe what you're saying. You're not desperate. There's no amount of heart or passion behind it. It's just, you know, there's no, I'm supposed to do this, and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And I think sometimes we've learned some of that through church culture. Maybe we learned some of that just by being around different settings and how they pray. And some of us, like, it's the reason why we, when we talk about, hey, we're going to have prayer, Y'all think about these pictures in your mind. And you're like, I ain't doing that. Because in your mind, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to have a prayer meeting. So you go to this place, and there's going to be some weird people there. And at one point or another, you're going to gather up, and everyone's going to share a prayer request. And then you're going to make a big circle, and you're going to hold hands. You don't want to hold somebody's hand, especially people you don't know. You don't want to do that. By the way, this is not how we do prayer meetings around here. But y'all know how this is going to work because somebody's going to say, I'm going to start and then we're going to go all the way around the circle and everybody's going to pray. And, and, and you don't even have to say it. You don't say it because it's just a given. You know that the way that it is your turn is there's a squeeze. <laughs> squeeze. That's when the person next to you knows you're done praying. Squeeze. 
So when I was in those states, I was like, I want to pray first. I want to pray first because I know somebody's going to steal my prayer. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Because if you're the last guy in the circle and you start coming around the circle and you know that Sister Suzanne over there across the circle, she's going to pray way too long and she's going to steal all your prayer. And sure enough, she does that. Now you're praying harder for God to help you to think of something new to pray for than you're actually listening to any of the prayers. Like, oh, God, help me. She did it again. She stole my prayer. Now I don't know what to do. Oh, God, the squeeze is coming, God. The squeeze is coming, and I don't know what to pray. We have really messed prayer up in some people's minds. But I think sometimes we're more desperate about things that are just in a moment than we are living in desperation for who God is every day. Just, just this urgency. Of, but a lot of times we just kind of throw up, throw up minutia prayers like, God bless America. In a general sense, God, be with my kids. God, give, give me a day today. Or, or just prayers for things that, God, please give me a good parking spot at the Walmarts. <laughs> Would it really hurt you to walk 60 more feet? I mean, let's just be honest. But, And I think God is saying, come on, I've got way more for you than this. I've got so much more. I've got so much more. But why? Why does he want this desperation? Because he's a show-off and he's jealous for you. And so he wants all of your heart. Like, come on, I want to... I want to do something great for you, but show me that you're desperate for me. Pray with some urgency. I think about David. David was a messed up dude. Like David sinned in ways that I pretty much guarantee you, nobody in this room has sinned. Because David committed adultery, but then he committed murder to cover up the adultery. I don't think anyone in here has killed someone. If you have, we're glad that you're here. <laughs> Sincerely glad that you're here. I'm also glad we have really good security, too. But God said, David, you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> Why? I think some of it is just because of how real and sincere David was. Prayers like this in Psalm 142.1. How I plead with God. How I implore his mercy, pouring out my troubles before him. like pouring out the deep things that are inside of me and trusting God with it, crying out. Truth is this, it's better to have heart without words than a bunch of words without any heart. God would just rather you be sincere. 10,000 people, but they heard Bartimaeus. Urgent. I find that when I don't, when I don't pray with any amount of, of passion, I usually get pretty fake. It's just shallow, there's just nothing to it. 
this guy is crying out. He's like, God, help me. I want to see. But I find that some people, they can be urgent, but then they quit way too soon. When you need a miracle, you also got to pray with perseverance. You got to pray with some perseverance. Like keep on praying. And then keep on praying. And after that, keep on praying. And it's okay to get discouraged, but don't give up. Just bring your discouragement too, but don't give up. Don't give up. Verse 39 says, those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Like I am not giving up. I'm not giving up. This is my chance and I'm not giving up. I'm gonna keep on going. Nobody's gonna silence him. Nobody's gonna shut him up. No situation, no group of friends, no intimidation, no defeat or victory should ever keep us from persevering in prayer. Keep on keeping on. It says in Colossians 4.2, don't be weary in prayer, keep at it. Watch, watch for God's answer. Watch for God's answers. I think that word watch is so important. Anybody ever seen a falling star before? Shooting star? Anybody ever seen one? Okay, I'm, I'm always surprised at the low percentage of people that have seen the things that I ask them about. I usually think there's a lot more people that have that I can relate to, and sometimes it's like 10 people. How many of you have ever seen a shooting star? Okay, thank you. That, oh! I, was the question not specific enough the first time? Like, I was, are your shoulders sore? I don't, it's okay. It's all right, I'm used to it. But here's the thing, like when you see one, you're like, oh, did y'all see that? Did you see that? Nobody ever sees it except you, right? So then, and then you're like insecure. They think you're a liar. Like, no, I saw it. I saw it. it was right over there. But everyone else around you wants to see one too. So what do they do? They start looking for one too. But how many of y'all know when you're actually looking for one, you don't see it. So now you're staring. You think if you open your eyes super wide, you might see better. You don't want to blink because they happen quick. So-and-so saw one. I want to see one too. And I think that's exactly the way that you watch for God to answer prayers. You watch. You watch with anticipation. You're like, man, that's a big sky. I can see a lot of stars. It's just a matter of time. I know I'm going to see something. I'm going to see something. It's just going to happen, but I've got to keep watching. Because as soon as I stop watching, I just know that's when, the, that's when it's going to happen, and I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to keep watching. But I've got to persevere. I've got to persevere. I have a pretty strong will. Like, God created me that way. I'm just, I have a pretty strong will. So I, and, but here's the thing. It's one of the things that can get in the way of my relationship with God, honestly, more than anything, because if something's not happening, I'm like, I'm just going to make this happen. I got this. I'll do this myself. And I think sometimes, though, that stick to itiveness is exactly what we need. Anybody ever been vacuuming a carpet before or something, and there's a piece of lint or something, and it's down in the carpet? And so you, you vacuum over, you bring it back, and you're like, huh, it didn't come up. So what do you do? 
you go over it again and again and again. And logic would say, I'll just go pick it up. But no, I paid money for this thing. And it's going to do its job. So what do you do? Try a different angle. I'll come at it from this way. And you're just going to keep pushing that thing. You're going to move the slab of your home. But you are going to suck that thing up. It's going to happen one way or the other. Right? And I think that's exactly the way your prayer life needs to be. You go over that thing over and over and over again. If it's not changing, if it's not moving, try a different angle. You start praying scripture. You start getting other people around it. You start telling a life group about it. You start spreading it on Facebook. I need more people praying about this. I need somebody else. I need somebody else. And you just keep going at it and you move the slab of that thing till it gets sucked up and God moves and changes something. But you don't give up. You keep persevering. And watch, watch. For his answer. Why does God say, pray and keep on praying, keep on knocking, keep on praying, keep on, why? It's not because he's keeping score. It's not because he's up there, it's like, well, I'll just see. If, if they'll pray 999 times, then maybe. They get short of that. Oh, they're lost. It's not because God's too busy. You know, it's not because he's like, I'm just, I'm sorry. I've got some serious prayer requests up here, okay? The Middle East is kind of a mess. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> and it's not because he's like taken off guard. It's not because, because the word says he knows what's in your heart even before you pray it. He knows it already. God's never up there like, Hold on. What? Did y'all hear that? Did you hear that? That sounds serious. Well, I didn't, wasn't expecting this. I didn't know this was going to happen. No. So why? Why do we need to persist? I think because persistence shows, first of all, how much I really want something and who I really want. But it also prepares me during the fight. Because so often the reason why God is having you persevere is because his timing is perfect, but he's also more interested in developing your character than giving you the answer when you think you need it. God is developing you. So while you're waiting so much of the time, God is working on you while you're waiting. Because there's something in you that needs to develop. If you want a miracle in your life, you're going to have to learn to pray specifically. Pray specifically. This is so great. Verse 41, it says, what do you want me to do for you? I love this. The disciples lead blind Bartimaeus over to Jesus. He couldn't get there on his own. He can't see. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, Jesus. This is blind Bartimaeus. Can't see. <laughs> Jesus knew exactly what he needed. So why did he ask? 
Because he wanted that blind man to tell him specifically and exactly what he wants. Because God wants our prayer requests in HD. Why? Why does he want specific requests? Because he knows that when our request gets specific, it's when it's going to take the most faith for us to believe it. Because the more specific you get with your request, the more you're going to have to trust him to specifically answer it. And that's hard. And that's why he's like, don't just, don't just be vague. And sometimes, look, I'll, I'll pastor people. People will call me or I'll talk, I'll meet with people. And, 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 and they'll just start going on. And just talking about this and, and talking about that. And, talking, and there's this and that. And I'm like, what do you want God to do? For you. Well, I guess my, my marriage needs to be healed. I knew that within the first three minutes you started talking. Be specific with what you want God to do. Just tell him. And here's the thing. God is patient. He's way more patient than I am. So you can talk around it all day long. It's fine. He has patience for that. But he wants your faith to hit your request. So get specific about what you're asking God to do. Not because he already knows. He wants you to say it. What do you need? What is it? Pray specifically. You also have to pray with faith. Pray with faith. Billy Graham said, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask because they lack faith. Job can relate to this. In Job 30, 20, it says, I call to you, oh God, but you never answer. When I pray, you pay no attention. Like, I can relate to Job sometimes. Like, I can feel this. Because... There's three ways that God answers tough requests. And the first way is no. I don't like that answer. I don't care for that. Like, no, that's not what I want. And sometimes it's wait. Oh, my. No, I know when this needs to happen, God. I've read your Bible. I went to Bible school, God. You need to go to Bible school. I know when this needs to happen. God says, wait. And sometimes he doesn't say anything at all. That's wait. That's still wait. When you don't hear anything at all, that is, that's still wait. And sometimes he says, yes. I'm like, yeah. I can work with this. This is a partnership I like. But he doesn't always answer that way. Why does God answer no sometimes? Like if he's a good God, if God is really loving and he's all powerful and he can solve problems, then why, when I ask him to move in something, why does he say no? Why did my friend have to die? Why did that have to happen? Why, why, why? I don't get it. Well, 
This is what I know though. I know I love my kids. Do I give my kids everything they ask for? <laughs> the answer should be no. <laughs> if you don't know that's the answer, let us help you parents. <laughs> Some of you, that is the problem. No, I don't give my kids everything they ask for because I know what's best. Because I have a greater perspective than they have. I have more context. I know what's gonna happen. And so when my son comes and says, Dad, I really want a semi-automatic pellet rifle, I'm like, now's not a good season for that for you. <laughs> for your safety and the safety of all humankind, it's just not the right time. Maybe someday, but the answer for now is a hard no. <laughs> not gonna happen. Why? Because I know what's best. God is good. He knows what's best. So sometimes we think that when God takes something away from us, or God says no, that that's it. But his word promises that even when it's no, that he works all things to the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. So you can know this, that even his no is a yes to you, but it's a yes for your best. It's a yes for what is going to bring him the most glory and draw the most people in relationship with him. That's, so a no is actually never a no. A no is always, I'm gonna give you what is good, but you're gonna have to trust me. You're just gonna have to trust me. Right now you're not gonna see it and it's gonna feel like a no. By the way, when you ask somebody to be healed and God doesn't heal them on this planet and they die, God healed them. God just healed them. God just gave them complete and total healing. So be specific. <laughs> God, we'd really like you to heal them here on earth. But he works all things to the good of those who love him. Every yes, every wait, every no means good. It means good. We can trust him for it. Pray with faith. In verse 42, it says, receive your sight because you deserve it. No, that's not what it says. Receive your sight because you've worked really hard on a lot of stuff in your life. No, it says receive your sight because your faith has healed you. The great thing about faith is a little dabble, do you? <laughs> it's not the size of your faith, it's your faith completely trusted in the hands of a capable God. He can do stuff with that. And I think it's also to pray with a heart of thankfulness. Pray with a heart of thankfulness. Verse 43 says, immediately he received a sight, follow Jesus. History will show that he followed Jesus the rest of his ministry. In fact, there's a really good chance that blind Bartimaeus was one of the 120 that were there when, when the Holy Spirit fell. He continued to follow Jesus. He was thankful and he was committed for the rest of his life. This verse isn't in your notes, but it's a verse I've quoted many times. The word says, to be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What does that thanksgiving do? It reminds you that God has been good before. God has been good before. 
God has been good even when I didn't see it, even when it felt like a no, but then I saw the good. God has been good before. So I'm going to present thanksgiving. I'm going to tell him, God, I know that you're good and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you've showed up in this before and you can show up again. But being thankful, being thankful and stay committed. But pray with a thankful heart. You know, I love it in the words so many times when Jesus did these physical healings, it's much more of a metaphor for our lives. In other words, when Jesus healed a, a leper, it wasn't about the disease. It was more about the spiritual symptoms that it represents. Because when you're a leper, what happens is you become numb to the point you can't even feel or see the hurt you're doing to yourself or anyone else around you. You become numb and you're rotting. You're rotting. You don't see it. And I think that there's some people in here, you've gotten away from talking to God because you've got leprosy. You've become numb. You become numb to the things of God. You become numb to the hurt around you. Become numb. You're just going through the motions. And because you're just going through the motions, you're rotting, you're decaying, and you don't realize it. And I believe that God wants to heal you. And the truth is this, we have all been blind. We've all been blind. At one point or another, every single person in this room, we have been blind and we have needed Jesus. So I wanna pray for those two people. I wanna pray for those that still have a relationship with God, but you have let the world, you've let situation and circumstance, you've let schedule bring you to a place where you have become numb to the things of God. You've, you've, you've quit praying. You still have a relationship with God, but, it, but the truth is you're rotting because you're just not, you're not in a good relationship with Him. And I also wanna pray for those that are blind. You've never seen Him. You've never seen Jesus. The truth is sometimes this can happen. Sometimes you can see Jesus, but over time scales begin to grow across your eyes again. So maybe you need to rededicate your life to him and come back to him. I wanna pray for those two people. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Nobody looking around. But if you're here today and you just say, honestly, I'm here, I'm at church, but I've become numb, I can't feel I can't feel, I can't feel the presence of God. I can't feel the pain of other people. I can't feel, um, and I know that it's causing my soul, it's causing who I am and who I was created to be to rot. And right now I just need a touch from God. I just need a touch from God. If you're in this place and that's you, I want you to put your hand right now across this room. Put them up, put them up, put them up. Be bold about it. God, that's me, that's me, that's me. Look, I think you raising your hand, you confessing that right now before God, I believe with all my heart that that's you with a sense of urgency saying, Jesus, I need to be healed. I need to be healed. I've become numb to the things of your word, to, to talking with you. God, every one of these hands in the name of Jesus. I don't know what's causing it, but God, it is, it's like spiritual leprosies. We're, we're falling apart, we're rotting, we're numb to your presence, we're numb to the hurt of other people, we're numb to our own pain. But in Jesus' name, bring healing. In Jesus' name, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show up and bring a sensitivity to your presence, to your word, 
into relationship with other people again. That you heal relationships that need to be healed. Some of these people, the reason why they become numb is because of losing someone or because of the pain that someone else did to them. And I pray in Jesus' name you come and heal that emotional, that, that relational wound in Jesus' name. Touch them and heal them, God. I also want to pray for anybody in this room. You just say, look, I just don't see God. I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you've never seen him or maybe you just, you've drifted away, but you just can't, you can't see anymore. And you're ready to see again or you're ready to see for the first time. And if you're in this place and you know you need to surrender your life to him, he just sensed it in your gut. Like, I'm away from God. I don't have a relationship with him. I want you to have confidence that he loves you. He sent his son Jesus for you. Even if you were the only person, he would have done it for you. And if you're here today and you're ready to see, <laughs> you're ready to see. Nobody looking around, but I'm going to pray. If you want to be included in this prayer, let's confess it before God right now. Put your hand up all the way across this room. I need Jesus. I'm away from him. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I'm away from him. I'm blind and I need to see him. Got it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? I need a relationship. Thank you. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Got it. Got it. You raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but you raising your hand is a huge act of faith. Showing your urgency. Trusting God. Anybody else? Got it. Thank you. Yes. Got it, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? Got it. That's all right. I'll, I'm slow too, man. I'm stubborn too. I get it. I get it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Holy Spirit's just working. I'm not going to rush it. Anybody else? Just wrestling with this. Wrestling with the fact that he could have that kind of grace and that kind of love because of that thing that you did that you don't think anybody could forgive you for, but he has. He already paid the price. He just wants to have a relationship with you. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes, sir. God's good. Every person that raised your hand, there is grace and love and forgiveness that you can't understand. There's no words to describe it, but it's real. God wants to give it to you right now. The word says, if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you can be saved. So I wanna give you a chance to confess with your own mouth and we're gonna help. We're gonna get your back. We're all gonna say this prayer together. So I want everyone with, with some volume and some confidence to repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Jesus. You paid the price for my sin. You rose from the grave. You're preparing a place for me. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for saving me from my sin. I want you to be my Lord. Have control of my life. I don't wanna live for me. I wanna live for you. 
Help me to understand who you are. Your love, your grace, your plan, your purpose. Help me to understand your word. Help me to understand your voice and be obedient to it. Thank you.